Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. Welcome to episode seven of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Photoshop. I'm Dave Cross, and this week I'm very happy to sit down and chat with my good friend, Matt Kloskowski. Matt Kloskowski is one of the good guys in the photography and Photoshop training industry. He's been at it for a long time. I've known him for a long time. Really good guy and a dedicated educator. Now, if you're not familiar with Matt's background, here's the official bio. Matt is the founder of Matt Kloskowski Photography and Training. He specializes in outdoor landscape and nature photography, along with editing in Photoshop, Lightroom, and other apps. Matt was inducted into the Photoshop Hall of Fame in 2014 and is a best-selling author of over 20 books. Matt loves to educate others and spends much of his time teaching seminars around the world and through his own site, mattk.com. Okay, I'm here with my buddy Matt Kloskowski, who very generously has agreed to let me grill him about all things <laughs> Photoshop and himself. Thanks very much for joining on the podcast. Happy to be here, Mr. Cross. All right. So my first question for you, Matt, is I'm somewhat familiar with your background that you, you know, went down one direction and then something happened along the way and you kind of changed direction. So give our listeners kind of the short form of how you went from, I graduated college and started this and now I'm doing this. <laughs> how I went from selling <laughs> construction equipment to, <laughs> to teaching Photoshop. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so quick Cliff Notes version of it. I graduated with a marketing degree, which I quickly realized meant sales. <laughs> and um, I got a job selling construction equipment, Caterpillar, construct, selling and renting and all that stuff. And our, our advertising department, this is in the 90s, our advertising department was so busy that like whenever we had a sale, like, you know, I'm walking around these job sites every day and, you know, $100 off of a weekly rental of a backhoe, they, they couldn't make any information for us to leave because they were so backlogged that the sale was over by the time they made a piece of paper right. that we could leave. So uh, I downloaded a copy of Photoshop and uh, and I started to make my own and just go get them printed at Kinko's or wherever. So that's how I learned Photoshop. I started to get really into computers, went to school at night while I still had a job to get my IT degree, got into computer programming. Because I knew Photoshop, I became the guy that did the interfaces and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And um, and from there, just transitioned to like, I just wanted to share information. So I started some little random website and share tutorials, got noticed by Kelby One, would talk to you at times. I started Adobe Users Group and asked, right. bugged you to come speak <laughs> at it. Um, and so, uh, in fact, in the way I ended up here is is Dave, when, when Kelby... Kelby was looking for somebody, Dave actually threw my name in that you threw my name into right. the hat, which mm -hmm. is what got me an interview there. So <laughs> I actually kind of owe all of this to you, Dave. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to make sure you remember that one way. <laughs> and you always do. I appreciate that. Other people will tell the story yes. differently. Yes, one person but, in particular will have a slightly different but, slant on it. But Dave actually was the uh, the leading edge in, in getting me that interview. So <laughs> Now, one of the things you said along the way in that story, which I thought was interesting, as you said, that you had this feeling like you wanted to share mm -hmm. information. Now, in any other past thing, were you ever kind of a teacher instructor? Or no. was that that's just something that because you gained the knowledge, you yeah. felt like you wanted to? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I 
you know, learn all this stuff off of these tutorial websites at the time. And mm-hmm. I just said, I'm going to start my own. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I never really knew where any of it would lead. I guess I had hopes that maybe I'd get to do something in this industry, but I never knew how. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, <laughs> I just started. And, you know, when I worked in the IT industry, I guess I, I was, you know, I would, did a lot of programming, but we had a lot of new graduates coming in. This was in Y2K. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, get as sure. many people in as you can because, <laughs> right. you know, just need warm bodies to fill chairs. We'll teach them what we need to teach them. So I taught a couple of classes. I would volunteer to teach a couple of classes on like, you know, XML and sure. Visual Basic and all this stuff. Then, so that's, I guess, how I got my start into the teaching area of it. One of the things that I've I've always appreciated about you is that you're always, I think, very clear when describing yourself to say that you're an educator first. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, well, here's a well-known photographer that also teaches this course. Yeah. But you're pretty, have always been pretty clear about saying, I'm a teacher and I love to teach and I, yes, I'm passionate about photography as yeah. well, but the number one thing that, that you love to do is teach, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I think I, I would say you and I probably even went through this over the years, you know, working where we worked, it was like a badge of honor to be a photographer, <laughs> you know, and it's like right. you had all these wonderful photographers coming in that we would then again, you and I in some ways would have to teach how to teach Mm -hmm. because they were doing classes for us. Not that they didn't know how to do anything, but we would have to kind of say, you know, maybe break this up a little bit here. Maybe like, you know, they weren't, that wasn't their thing. But I, I know for me, I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like, oh, being a photographer is the cool thing. Like that's where I can, you know, that's where I get my street cred from. And and so, you know, as as the years went on, I started to realize, you know, I'm just going to own my role. Like I, my role is an educator. Mm-hmm. I love photography, but I'm not a full time photographer. In fact, to, to right now, I don't take any paid assignments. Like I don't, I won't do anything. Sure. If it's a close, close friend or family member, I'll do it and I'll do it for free, so they have no expectations. <laughs> um, but if it's anything other than that i have a few photographers that i refer right. everything to because sure. i just i i can't concentrate on both right now you recently did uh, a course through your site which i thought was really an interesting concept because for anyone you know the people listening when we design tutorials sometimes half the battle is kind of choosing a photograph to say well here's mm-hmm. a photograph that gives me an opportunity to yeah. demonstrate this but you did a, a landscape course where was it every photo was one yeah. that people sent yeah. in? Every, everyone except one part where I was showing how to shoot in camera to do something oh, in okay. post. So I had to do it because I wasn't present when the person sure. was taken. But every other photo in the course was submitted from my audience. From you know, I went out and, and asked people, hey, I'm doing this course. If you want me to include your photo, I'll give you a free copy of the course. But if you know, submit some photos and, and, and let's do it. And I, I did it because... I shoot a certain way. I have a certain subject matter. I have a certain way I shoot. I have a certain way of overexposing, underexposing. Like everybody's got their mm-hmm. thing that they they do. And I realized, you know, my tutorials are all going to be the same. They're all going to be on the same types of photos in the same places that I go to. Sure. So I wanted to open it up to to get other genre, uh, other subject matter in the landscape realm and then other problems too like problems that i may not face because 
I know a certain thing, but maybe a lot of other people face too. So now of all the photos, I mean, how, how on earth, I mean, I'm assuming you get, you got quite a few. I got 2000 or over 2000. You look through and go, Oh, there's a good one for this. I mean, how would, how would you make a decision like that? Yeah, I would go, you know, I, I I looked for good learning moments. Um, Mm -hmm. cause I paired, I paired the photos with, the survey, I sent out a survey of what people wanted to learn about that they weren't getting from other landscape education. And so I paired the photos with the survey. I'd look at the survey and say, okay, people want to learn this. And then I'd look through the photos and figure out, all right, which photo can lend itself to teach that? What's a, you know, which photo could be a good learning moment in there? So it was a, um, it was a, it was a really interesting process because, <laughs> you know, I, I pretty much automatically, I call, I call it shadows highlights. If, if the photo can just be helped by shadows highlights, it's, it's not even a candidate, you know, mm-hmm. cause especially in landscapes, like sometimes that's all you have to do. Right. A little bit of saturation, mm-hmm. um, or contrast and then crank the shadows, pull back the highlights <laughs> and you're done because those are the main problems sure. in landscapes. So if that was the problem, like it automatically went out the door because I had a basic section that covered that and we can do that fast. It was all the other stuff I wanted to do. But the, the really interesting thing was in the survey, it, I mean, it had to have been, it had to have been something like 35, 40%, almost half of the people wanted information on sharpening and focus stacking and noise reduction. <laughs> and out of those 2,000 plus photos that I had, maybe a tenth of a percentage of 1% <laughs> could have been helped by a sharpening technique or a noise reduction technique or, by, or, or did I see a photo that would lend itself to focus right. stacking. <laughs> Um, so it's really interesting. What people wanted to know was not actually the problems in their photos. So, right. Which makes me think to at least some degree, it's like, I've heard of this topic. Yeah. So it, it must be important. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You, and you know, I mean, you know, the comment saying like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and I think people go to sharpening cause they think that that's the problem or noise reduction because they think that's the problem. And then then I did a survey on how many people were printing and so few people were printing and you you really don't do noise reduction if you're not printing because you don't see the noise on on a computer screen, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was was an interesting learning experience to do it all. Now, to what degree in, especially obviously in landscape, you know, there's that sort of, some people have the philosophy of, leave it alone in Photoshop other than global adjusting versus, you know, taking something out with the clone stamp tool. Were there mm-hmm. any instances where you were looking at someone's photo and think if it was me, if it was my photo, I would have cloned that out or yeah. cropped it slightly differently? Um, there, well, well, so I, I, I asked for raw photos. Um, so I didn't really see as much of that because it, sure. it was a little hard because I was seeing the raw photos. So that person, when they processed their photo, they may have, right. they may have done it, but I did, you know, I, I did, I, so I did webinars every day during the, the sale of this course. And so I did one on composition. And one of the things I had to say was, you know, I may crop this a certain way. I may do something and they may have done it too, but I got the raw photo. So right. it was, uh, you know, kind of along those lines. So not, not quite sure what their photo would have looked like. <laughs> so along that lines, and this probably is a topic for a a bigger discussion, but let's just do sort of the short form when you run into people, as I'm sure you do, who 
I don't want to say they scoff at Photoshop or Lightroom, but they're kind of in that get it right in the camera camp. Mm -hmm. I've always thought that was an interesting concept because like, first of all, what does right mean? Yeah. And secondly, there are some circumstances where I'm not sure how you could, you know, where it's yeah. the time of day or something where there's just almost, it's impossible without artificial light to like expose for both the sky and the person or something like that. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with the people that are like, oh, you know, that you don't shouldn't rely on Photoshop. <laughs> you should just get it right in the camera. So I have two thoughts on this. One thought is I absolutely, I, I want to slap people when they say get it. Like now it's nails on a chalkboard to me. Cause I'm going to say something to you. And I think everybody out there is going to resonate with this in all of your years. Have you ever met anybody where you're talking to them and they say, I love to get it wrong in the camera. <laughs> I love, I love screwing it up as much as possible so I can do laborious, tedious, Spend lots and lots of time production work crap in Photoshop. Like I just love doing that. Like that's, that's my favorite thing to do, you know? So you know, when somebody says, I like to get it right in the camera, it's just, to me, it just means they don't know. They, you know, they, they don't know, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. That one, that one bugs me because everybody, wants to get it right in the camera. Nobody nobody wants to make a bad photo in the camera. What that leads me to is some people like to do something different with their photos. And there's a place for what they're saying is they really want straight out of the camera. They don't like to do anything to their photos, right. which you and I, Dave, know usually means they don't know Photoshop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's usually like, you know, I'm a natural light photographer. That usually means you don't know lighting. So... <laughs> But there's people, there's people that just fundamentally don't believe or want to edit their photos. And then where I believe the, the, it's not getting it wrong in the camera, I believe, and I use this, this word a lot for this course that I did, it was vision. Is we go and we stand in front of a place and we take the best photo we can of that place. But when we're looking at it on the computer, something doesn't hit us that hit us when we were there. Mm -hmm. Maybe that maybe when I was there and there was looming clouds coming over and then I saw a little bright speck of sun that was hitting like a green countryside and it looked like it was bright, but then there's dark clouds. Like you smell the air, you feel, a feel you know, you have the wind in your face, you have a feeling and you have a vision and you get on the computer and that, that vision wasn't coming through. That's where I believe it's your job to make that vision come through. Sure. So and that's really what I think it's mm -hmm. about. It's not necessarily about getting it right in camera. We all want to do that. Yeah. It's there's certain people that are willing to take it further and take the vision of their photo straight out of the camera to maybe something that it doesn't look like straight out of the camera, but it looks like what they wanted it to. Right. And I, I, I agree completely. And I find that the one thing that I often will say to people is because I'm first and foremost a Photoshop guy. There are times where, not to say I, I, I hate the expression of, oh, I'll fix it later in Photoshop, but there are times where I'm looking at something going, this is just going to be too challenging to get in one shot. So I'll plan accordingly and think like Photoshop and think, well, this will be the background layer. Then I'll take another photo that I can use to you know, blend in or yeah. something because I just know that's going to give me the result. I always think, get it the way I like in the camera. Yeah. Because, you know, I yeah. want, I want to end with some, I already have that vision of what my end result I want it to look like. And sometimes I know it's just not going to be yeah. possible to do that right out of the camera. <laughs> exactly. Cool. All right. We're going to continue this very enlightening chat <gasps> after this brief break. It's time for the tip of the week. 
So my tip is um, dodging and burning. I think dodging and burning is is such a key element to photos to, you know, and it's such an old technique. It's been used for so many, for many, many years, but I think it's what builds depth into a photo. I think depth is a great thing. And you may find a lot of dodging and burning techniques. We can, we can dodge and burn in camera raw with the exposure or Lightroom with exposure and negative exposure. Um, and then you have the, you have the, the technique that's been around for years. You've probably taught it, Dave. I've taught it many times where we add a 50% gray layer and then we take a, we change it to overlay or soft light. And then we take a black brush or a white brush and we paint on that layer. So my tip would be, I've gotten much better results. There are dodge and burn tools in Photoshop and those dodge and burn tools. And, and again, Dave, I think you'll agree with me. Adobe makes all these changes to tools and because they have so many programs and so many changes, they shoot themselves in the foot that they the great changes don't get noticed. Sure. And they've changed the dodge and burn tools quite a bit over the years where they really do a nice job at dodging and burning. And a lot of people say, yeah, but it's destructive on the photo. So what I would say is the dodge and burn tools I feel are the best tools to get that depth in the photo. So duplicate your layer and then do your dodging and burning on that duplicate layer. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit harder to undo if you dodged a, an area too much and you realize a day later, but I think that probably happens less. It probably happens while you're doing it, you realize it, but try duplicating your layer, Command or Control J, go to the dodge and burn tools and do that dodging and burning on the duplicate and use those tools because they're meant for it. And they, they have the, you know, the dodge and burn tools have, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing for Dave. They, <laughs> I'm there. I'm like, if you look up in the, in the toolbar, the dodge and burn tools will, will react differently to midtones and shadows and highlights. They have settings that you won't get by just using black and white on sure. a regular gray layer. So to me, I think it's worth a little bit of the sacrifice of the non-destructive ability to get access to some of that stuff. Awesome. Become a member at learningphotoshop.cc and get instant, unlimited access to hundreds of Photoshop videos, live Q&A sessions, discounts, and more. Use the code PODCAST10 to try the first month for only $10. All right, we're back with Matt, and I'm going to ask you a question now that I'm just making up on the fly. <laughs> okay. I miss out at all. Uh, so I'm guessing based on the, the typical listener that that I have and I'm going to just make some assumptions that there's going to be a, a range of people from people who are fairly new to Photoshop but I'm thinking someone who just tunes into a podcast that says it's about Photoshop is at least familiar with it and I would say is experienced using the program mm -hmm. so for that type of person where they're pretty good they got to have a good feeling of the basics if you were to tell someone, give the advice as to how to take their kind of knowledge of Photoshop to the next level, what would be the the thing or things that you would suggest they should focus on next once they've kind of got the basics of, say, understanding layers, you know, basic selections, things like that? What would be the next thing to look at? You know, Dave, I'm going to go all motivational speaker on you. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say... I'm going to say it's it's not necessarily a tool or a technique or a book or a tutorial. I'm going to say there's a phrase that that I've been using and that is perfectionism leads to procrastination. <laughs> and and so if you want to improve, the best thing you can do to improve is to just keep doing and keep moving forward. And what happens is is as you get a little bit of knowledge and and then then you become dangerous enough to start 
finding tutorials and now you've found six different tutorials that teach you six different ways to do the same thing and then you get stagnant because now you're unsure you're unsure of what to do you you know do a dod take dodging burning as right. an example you know uh, do i do it this way do i do it this way and then what happens is you end up not doing something because you're not sure of what to do so i would say perfectionism leads to procrastination don't be a perfectionist you know you can get most of the way there and be done with something whatever it is whether it's a technique you're trying to learn whether it's being done with a photo whatever it happens to be whether it's practicing you know just you should practice more than you're reading and watching videos i'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing that i always thought was very curious to me where i would look on facebook and i see a photographer saying i was out practicing with my camera Mm -hmm. and i thought but whoever practices with Photoshop, Photoshop's always like, oh my gosh, I've got a deadline. I've got to get it done really quickly. Yeah. I meet so few people that just say, I'm just going to give myself 20 minutes to just open some random photo and start poking around and trying things and practicing some of the techniques yeah. that I may have heard about. Poke around on blend modes, you know, just mm-hmm. try different blend modes on something one day. Make make one day a blend mode day. Like I'm really going to dive in and mess around with these blend modes. But I think... I think more than that, I think, you know, if you want to take it a step further to practicing, practicing can be, because I said you should be practicing more than you're reading or watching tutorials. That doesn't mean don't use tutorials. And so what I mean by that is I think what happens is a lot of people will go watch a tutorial and then they won't do it. And a, a lot of bad things happen from that. Number one, you don't get the reinforcement. Number two, you're not necessarily, you haven't, you haven't ingrained that technique into your, your knowledge base yet. You know, you, you knew it, you saw, and then it just goes out off to the wayside, you know? So it's fine to go watch a tutorial, read a magazine article, but then you need to sit down and do it. Make yourself, don't just read it. And I, I can say this because I'm guilty of it on the, on the guitar side. I'm here pointing to my guitar to Dave. I'm guilty of sitting there on YouTube, I watch a video on maybe some cool way to play a scale or something like that. And I watch it and I think, okay, that makes sense. I know, I know the C scale. I know what they're doing there. Cool. (laughs) And I don't walk up and get, pick up my guitar and do it. So I really haven't improved, (laughs) you know, like I, I, I guess technically in my mind, I know something, but I haven't put that technique or whatever I just watched into into my repertoire of, of tricks yet. So I would I would agree and take it one step further because I always tell this story about back in the early days, if you remember the infamous Jack Davis book called The Wow Book. Yeah. And when it first came out in the very first version, I think it was like the Photoshop 2.5 Wow Book <laughs> or something. And I was following along going, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I do exactly what every step said. You know, I didn't even know why. Mm-hmm. It was just like, now fill with black. I was like, okay. <laughs> and, I, and at the end, I would my image would look pretty much like the one in the book and I would be like, yeah. And then I realized that I was getting really good at following instructions, yeah. but I had no idea why. <laughs> so now I suggest to people, watch the tutorial, try it, and then go back and try it again. But this time, take some little detours. And they said, well, they said fill with gray. What if I filled with black? So you go gray, okay, black, oh. And you maybe you start to kind of get yeah. a sense as to why, because some tutorials will say fill because. with gray because it does this, but others will just give you instructions like mm-hmm. a, a recipe. So I've always thought the best way to really 
uh, reinforce is to do it the way they say and then go back and do it again and start and be prepared for sometimes you'll go, whoa, okay, that wasn't <laughs> what I expected at all. But at yeah. least it's a, a learning moment. And I think that helps with people that are, as you said, they, they don't know where to start or they kind of go, okay, there's so many options here. I don't know which one to take. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the most common question that I get through through my site is people who start their question was what's the best way to <laughs> oh my gosh that's yeah you know it's so hard to answer without a knowing the the photo but also what is best mean fastest yeah. or most accurate or you know so I try to especially beginners to say you know what the best way is the way that you end up with what you want mm-hmm. I might be able that's to tell exactly you a faster it. way ultimately but at least I would hate you to just give up because you're like, well, I just, that didn't work at all. I have no idea. I, I don't care how you get there as long as you get there. Right. Like as long as you get there and you're happy with it, I yeah. don't care how you did it. I don't care what program yeah. you use. I don't care what tool you use. Mm-hmm. I just want you to be happy with your results. <laughs> Although I will say at a certain point, there's also that feeling like, oh, I just want to tell them. That <laughs> many, many years ago, I worked at an Apple dealer. And we hired this guy as our first accountant. And believe it or not, and I'm not kidding, his name was John Excel. It wasn't <laughs> oh, spelled no. the same way, yeah. but he was this German guy. But he loved Excel to the point where I walked in his office one day and he was typing a letter where he'd click in the first cell oh, of Excel and type until he thought, that's about far enough. Then he'd go to the next one. I'm <laughs> oh, like, no. you know, John, there's this thing called Word, Word. <laughs> that comes in the same package. He's like, oh, but I like Excel so much. And, and, and yet the funny thing was he didn't get the joke. We're like, John Excel. He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So there is a point where there are, you know, I get, I get, yeah, you want to get some end result, but you know, (laughs) so as, as long as you're happy with the end result, especially photographically, I mean, I would say don't worry like there, you know, people will post something and they'll get comments like, well, you should have, Mm -hmm. how do you know that? Yeah. You know, it's not oh, yeah. your photo. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's my, my mom belongs to a camera club and, you know, she'll tell me things that people say to her. She'll call me up and say, should I be doing this? And I'll, I'll say, well, where'd you get the, well, I was at my camera club and somebody told me I should do this and I should do it this way instead. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and to me, it's like, I look, go at some of the, uh, some Facebook groups where people, you know, Oh yes. Yes. I have a hard time in some of those. I do it for two reasons. First of all, if someone posts a question and I see there are six comments, the first thing I do is I read the comments and go, oh, someone already answered it. Yeah. But so many people just, just answer, the same. answer the same question. <laughs> but more, the other thing, the bigger thing that bothers me is like people who say you should or the best way is. And I'm like, everything should start with, in my opinion. Yeah. Because some of them are like, really? I don't, I don't, I don't know think that so. I agree that's the best <laughs> way. But, you know, and, and I understand that, that the motivation is they want to help their fo- fellow because they were there once, you know, they remember what it was like to try to yeah. remember. But I was looking at one the other day and I, I had to sort of chuckle because I thought, you know, love, love them for their <laughs> effort. But it was like someone asked a question about something to do with, I think it was Maybe it was actually dodge and burning or something like that, or a particular tool. And someone commented, I've never used that tool, so I don't really know. And I was like, okay. <laughs> How does that contribute to the Thank conversation? You. I mean, I, I guess it was, she want, maybe it was, they wanted to feel like, I don't want you to think I'm ignoring you. Yeah. But it was just, I was kind of like reading going, Hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, with bad, some of those groups actually, you know, cause you can see how many people comment and stuff like that. And, you know, it used to be the day, the way, the way of forums, 
Right. Yeah, we remember, I mean, yeah. we've seen, we've been part of forums and it's like people would just say thanks and all these <laughs> messages that because it gets your post count up. Right. <laughs> so you got to watch out for that too. <laughs> I saw another one the other day that cracked me up. I thought I couldn't tell if he was joking or if he just was like, I want to comment because someone gave a very, very good answer and he commented like a minute later and said what he said. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, here's one last quick, this is probably not a quick answer, but the question is quick. I asked when I did the interview with our friend Scott Kelby a couple of weeks ago, I asked him this question, and that is, if you, if the world's changed and suddenly you were in charge of Adobe and could do whatever you wanted with especially Photoshop and or Lightroom, what would be the first thing or couple of things you would decree as the as the big boss oh gosh you know if if it were photoshop i would put a camera raw panel adjustment panel layer nice. kind of thing in photoshop so that way so because i love the camera raw filter but what happens is like you know a lot of like i i just i love the the camera raw. and when i say camera raw, i'm actually talking the develop module in lightroom too right i love those settings for everything i think i think you know it's it's we can exposure shadows highlights blacks whites contrast temperature tint h like we could do so many things with those those settings that take the place of so many adjustment layers in mm -hmm. photoshop so I would love it if I just had maybe the basic panel in an adjustment layer. And that way, when you go into the, let's say you're making a composite and you've got the person on the top and maybe you want to warm them up a little bit. Well, the problem is, is if you want to use camera raw to do it, you've got to take that layer, go into the camera raw filter right. and do it. And you can't see it All in the context. Them, right? Yeah. You're not going to see it in the context of the whole photo. So I would, I would love to see like a camera raw adjustment. That's brilliant. Layer like it love it let's do it right now <laughs> um i might i might try to add layers into lightroom but it's it's tough because i like lightroom's simplicity mm -hmm. you know once you take prints and maps well, nobody uses maps nobody uses web nobody really uses a slideshow um <laughs> once once you take all those other modules out of lightroom i i love lightroom's simplicity for for doing things and so I wouldn't want to make it Photoshop, but sometimes it would be nice if I could do some quick layer-based things inside of Lightroom right. too. So that's a tough one because it's it like is, yeah. once you add a little bit, then you have to add masking, mm -hmm. and then how many yeah. masking tools and do you add? Blend modes, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then I need blend modes, <laughs> and then I, you know, I need well, I need layer styles, and that now I need filters, <laughs> and then and next thing you know, it's become Photoshop, and you have this massive behemoth <laughs> of a program that is impossible to learn. It's funny it, you did sort of mention passing because when I asked Scott the same question, he, one of the first things he said is the slideshow in Lightroom. <laughs> he said that just needs to be improved <laughs> so much because it's like the worst one on the face of the planet. But he's one of the only people that does slideshows. Mm -hmm. Like I think most people would just say just take it away yeah like <laughs> true it's, you know but it's uh yeah <laughs> all right well that wraps things up i appreciate your time for sharing some thoughts with our listeners happy to be here dave thanks for having me awesome thanks for listening please subscribe and tell your photoshop using friends find us at talkingshop.show this podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.